0: Hello and welcome to series two of Breaking Down the Big C. Uh, during this series things will be slightly different uh, first of all. You'll notice uh, along the way that I am up on my own this time. Uh, Liz has decided not to return for the new series, uh, which is totally understandable. This podcast is a very, very tough subject and it does take its toll. Um, But I'm sure Liz is listening and I I want to publicly thank her for being by my side for the first series because without her help, there's absolutely no way I would have got this off the ground. Um, So Liz, if you are listening, thank you so much. Um, And again, thank you so much for everybody that listened in the first series because it's essentially got us going for a, a second series. Um, and I know that things things finished quite abruptly in the first one because we had a few technical issues um, but uh, yeah, we, we thought we'd give it a go and uh, yeah, we're back for another batch of episodes Another change, uh, I'll be including some specialist subjects this series to try and help people further so for example uh, episode 3 will look at how mindfulness can help people uh, and help people deal with or cope with emotions Uh, and that being said uh, let's crack on with this series let's let's go to the uh, the first interview we've got lined up Uh, so this week i was joined by marie who talks about her journey with bowel cancer Welcome to the latest interview on Breaking Down the Big Sea. Um, today I'm joined by Marie, who's diagnosed in 2018 with stage 4 bowel cancer. Hello Marie, how are you?
1: Hi Tom, I'm fine thank you, as well as I can be anyway.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. I understand you've got a, a PET scan today, haven't you?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've got a PET scan because I'm going to be having a lung resection on Thursday so um the surgeon just wants to be 100% sure that I've only got one pesky lung nodule to uh to sort out on on Thursday so uh so yeah so I'd uh it's strangely enough though I'd been saying sort of uh Probably a couple of years. It's like I've only had CT scans, and it's like, well, why haven't I had a PET scan? Why haven't I had one? And then all of a sudden, it's like buses. I've had two in the last probably three months. Oh, so no. um, yeah. So so yeah. So I've got this PET scan. So I am on nil by mouth with food. Um, oh. It's not until half past four. So I'm going to be absolutely starving by the time <laughs> I I come out at probably seven o'clock. <laughs>
0: I must admit, I've never had a PET scan, so I don't know how long they last or anything like that. So I can't, uh, I can't imagine <laughs> how you're going to be feeling tonight when with no food all day.
1: Yeah, I know. It's well. They um, you have they inject you with the uh the dye, and then you have to sit still for up to an hour. You have to just sit still, um, and then after that, they'll then take you to. It's a bit like the CT scan. Um, you then lie on the bed, and uh, it's about thirty minutes then for them to do the um the scanning and the imaging um and then yeah it's it's not um. very good and then avoid um pregnant women and children then for um i think it's about 24 hours because obviously oh, wow. you're, radioact- you're radioactive because yeah. you're radioactive so uh, so yeah you have to uh, yeah, avoid anything cool. but obviously i'm in self isolating so i will be um straight in and straight back home again oh yeah
0: no, that's good then so um let's go back to the beginning so in your own words you know can you tell us what led up to your diagnosis your sort of symptoms and what caused you to to go to the doctors in the first place
1: yeah so um for me um I had no signs or symptoms um of bowel cancer or none none that I would have recognized anyway um so I'd um i had been down to my friend's allotment We used to do that every weekend great way of keeping fit and um and catch up on the gossip um and I came back and I was feeling a little bit unwell I'd I'd got a bit of um a pain in my right side and to be honest I thought it was gynae related because I'm I was going through peri perimenopause um I was I've always suffered with anemia. Um, I'd started having heart palpitations back in 2010. And um, the doctors then tested me for anemia, which, um, so from 2010, I've always had anemia. Um, I'd also been to the doctors, run up to all of this, because... Unfortunately, my menstrual cycle was, it was going crazy. I was suffering really bad headaches. I had a mini meltdown at work. Um, so there was actually a number of things which I'm now, you think to yourself, actually, was this leading up to um, what had happened? Mm. So I, I was feeling unwell that weekend. Um, it This pain was gradually getting worse and it wasn't like a normal menstrual pain um fortunately i was off on the monday both me and my husband were off and um i said to my husband gary i said i'm gonna go to the doctors i said because it's just something i know my body the pain isn't something that i'm familiar with so i'd gone over to the doctors luckily they'd got a cancellation um mm-hmm. we we nipped over there and he had a quick feel and he said by the sounds of it it's maybe a suspected appendicitis um so he said it uh, made a quick phone call and fast-tracked me straight away to the queen's medical center um where we are in nottingham Mm um so we did no more than get a taxi go down there um so they ran blood tests i had an ultrasound um in case obviously with it being gynae so i had an ultrasound blood test i hadn't anything to eat again i was absolutely starving um we were there eight hours um and the pain to be honest it was it was a dull pain um i wasn't in absolute agony or anything it was just it was an uncomfortable pain Um so eventually we got seen by the consultant and I think it was about seven o'clock at night. And he then told me that I wasn't going home. Um, that. Yeah. So it was an absolute shock to both me and my husband. Um, We weren't expecting this at all. I've never stayed in hospital before. So um, he'd, he'd said it was a suspected appendicitis um, that I was going to have surgery the next day. Mm-hmm. um he'd uh he said oh one in he said it will be a keyhole surgery but one in five will have uh, may require open bowel surgery so please sign here so i signed my life away never expecting anything else mm-hmm. um so hubby and i made a quick visit to the pharmacy downstairs that was still open to just get me some bits because there was no time um to go home to go and get you know an overnight bag or anything Mm. so um next day um it was about four o'clock in the afternoon so again if you can imagine i had nothing to eat at all so i was nil by mouth um next day four o'clock and i was then going down for theater Mm. expecting i don't know maybe a couple of hours surgery um I remember waking up, it was around about 11 o'clock in the evening, um, coming round from the anaesthetic in, um, obviously, the uh, theatre, whatever the ward is, the after theatre bit, um, and just wondering what had happened. Yeah. And the um, surgeon um, came, came over to me and he explained to me, Um, that I'd had to have open bowel surgery and that they had to take some of my bowel away, that my appendix was stuck together with my bowel and I had this mass and they had to remove it. So, um, so I'd, I'd been very poorly. Mm. And it was, I was in total shock and all I could think about was my husband and where was my husband and bless him. He'd been to work and come back and he'd been waiting around from six o'clock, just wondering where I was, um, yeah. cause we didn't expect to be in surgery this long. And I'd apparently been in surgery for about four or five hours. Um, so, uh, they, they put me on a, on a stoma ward, mm. did not, did not. Um think to me for a minute as to reason why so, did, so well, yeah, go on,
0: sorry when they they sort of said that they took out a mask did they explain what it could be or anything like that?
1: Or no, did, so so the next day, when I was a little bit more um awake and hmm. uh in pain with this bloody great big um line going down my body yeah. um. The they they came round and they said we don't know what it is that we're looking at. Um, they said it could be either an abscess, um, a cancer, or colitis. Right. And I, for one minute, I never even thought of the word cancer not one minute I was then I was I was absolutely convinced it was an abscess um while I was in hospital I, I was I was then fighting off an infection so again I'm thinking it's an abscess all the way through um of coming out of hospital and like I say I was on a stoma ward and the the women on there were absolutely fantastic they'd obviously had got um they'd got cancer Again it just never sunk in about me having cancer. Hmm. Um I always they they told me the the surgeon had said to me that if my bowels and if my bowels don't open then I might need to have another operation. Again right. it just did not sink in. Um and I tell you some the relief of when my bowels opened I it was you um I was just so excited. My husband, Katie, he literally, he'd come to see me as I came out of the toilet and I just went, Gary, I've pooed, I've pooed. <laughs> and everyone was just clapping. And I was like, <laughs> it was so surreal, it really was. But yeah. I didn't realise the seriousness of, of it and as to mm. why, what would actually happen. And again, still, the word cancer didn't sort of, enter my mind at all so I was in hospital for two weeks um because like I said I got an infection to fight off and um I just I, I would quite unwell with it all ended up having a heart palpitation episode and ended up in um high dependency unit with about seven doctors all Mm -hmm. trying to get my heart rate back down so (laughs) that was um that was interesting um so when i eventually came home um i had to go to the doctors every day to have my wound dressed because they were just seeping Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually um it was the 18th of October and that's when we went back to see the consultant and the surgeon um again I was telling I'd been to work that day and I was um just to see people I was I was signed off sick so you know I'd gone into work and I was telling everyone it's an abscess it's an abscess so went in um and he sat down and and told us that uh, then we were that I was stage sta- or oh, we didn't say stage. He said I was advanced mm. bowel cancer, and I, that, I'd, I, I, I just went numb. I just went numb.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's quite in my personal opinion. I think that's quite a downfall where they don't actually explain things. They just say advanced. They don't. I mean, they could say stage three or stage four, and you just don't quite get it. No, time.
1: Well, well, this is it. And I, I remember my husband, because I, I just totally went up. My mind then was just out of the room. I was just yeah. gone. Yeah. And I can remember my husband turning around and saying, what stage is that? Mm. And, I, and I can remember then looking at him as if to say, where did that come from? why would you ask that question cuz yeah. i don't know again it, for me can, we've never had anybody in the family and you know fortunately i've not had no friends that have been diagnosed with cancer so for us it was totally it was unreal we we mm. it was the first time of actually dealing with this and and the doctor had said we were looking at stage 3 at the yeah. time and still, it didn't quite sink in as to what what was happening. Um, he then told us that I had two footer bowel taken away and that wow. they'd taken, um, and I always get my numbers now mixed up, I think it was 24 lymph nodes I think they'd taken. Mm-hmm. Five of them had shown that they were cancerous and that I'd still got I think it was about 13 lymph nodes left um so and that said to me then so the next course of action is going to be um chemotherapy because obviously with the lymph nodes they don't know if they're going to be cancerous or not and the only way then of obviously zapping it is going to be chemotherapy so um so they they gave me um some information to go away with um there was a cancer nurse um that was there who we could chat to if we wanted to um and and that was it really so we, we just came away and I can remember we just went downstairs into the cafe area and we just sat and had a coffee and we were like, what has just happened? Yeah. What, you know, I, I just don't, I, we just could not get our head round the, the, the discussion. What it just, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, so, s- it's still surreal and it is there as if it was yesterday mm. um, to us. So, Um, so yeah, so from there, I had to have a CT scan, um, on my chest, which they picked up at the very beginning that I'd got this nodule, although they said it was a blip. They didn't know what it was. There was this, there was, there was something showing on my lung, on my left lung. Mm. And they said to me then, said, don't worry about it. We just need to concentrate on the chemotherapy and on your bowel. So So So
0: the yeah, operation was the operation was October, September time, am I right in saying?
1: Yeah, it was the 10th of September 2018. Yeah.
0: And then you've gone from then to November for the chemotherapy. Yes. You? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Be- yeah, because obviously with the um the surge the um the wound, with it still I was still having it to dressed. Yeah. Um it hadn't quite healed enough and so they wanted me obviously well enough to then have the chemotherapy so i i think it was probably a week before the chemotherapy actually that i'd finished going to the um doctors to have it dressed Mm -hmm. Um I was going from every day to then like every other day. And then I think it was like once a week. And then um we'd got to where yeah, we was in a a good position um to then start the chemotherapy. So um I started that and I think it was on the twenty-seventh, twenty-eighth of of November. Um twenty-sixth of November is is when I started then the chemotherapy, and then that Mm -hmm. journey is again a whole nother journey Mm.
0: so you had was it at that time you had oxaloplatin and capocytabine
1: yes yeah so um wasn't great i have to say um and the side effects were quite aggressive um for my body mm-hmm. um straight away and i think because with it being winter as well so if people are on oxyplatin they'll know that obviously the cold is one of the major factors in yeah. with the side effects so you know i mean i'd, I'd read up on um sort of chemotherapy and i'd seen actually about a chemo care pack so mm. i prepared myself we'd gone out shopping so the best thing that i ever bought was a sickness band i wore that from day one and up to now i've still never had one day of sickness so the travel band was the best eight pound i'd ever spent so what, um
0: what's, what's that sorry could you explain that so
1: yeah band? so yeah. So, you know, like the sickness is a sickness band, um, a sickness travel band. So my friend, I always, always remember my friend who was pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time she was wearing one and and she said it it helped her with uh morning sickness so it stuck with me so when when we went shopping I said to my husband because one thing I hated being sick i just oh it just frightens life yeah. out of me um diarrhea I can cope with but sickness no so um we went and bought it you could get a pack of two from boots it was um and it was eight pound and like i say they, for me it was a lifesaver so <laughs> from day one you put them on and there's a little um plastic um button that then sits on your pressure point and it mm. stops obviously from sickness wow, so okay. i so i wore that from day one um and um like i say never had any sickness Diarrhea, on the other hand, my bowels have never, never been happy. Um, So I suffered a lot of diarrhea, um, certainly through um, all my chemotherapy. Doesn't matter which one that I had, I've always suffered with it. Um, But, you know, neuropathy was, oh, that was terrible and I still suffer to this day Um, fatigue insomnia because obviously the steroids um, you're just wired Um, so so yeah it was um, certainly something that I wasn't or anybody isn't going to be used to that's for sure Um, but at the time as well we were um, having our home remodeled Um, we um, with the council um, housing at the t- at the time. We n- we now bought our property, um, but we were with council, so we're having this remodelling on. So. We were having windows and our front taken out. So we had no heating. So I was literally sitting there in coats with a hat, gloves, scarf, you name it. I was just head to toe as if I was going to Everest. The workmen were coming in and I'm like, I'm not a freak. I'm on chemo, Um, you know, because I was just got gloves on 24-7. I just had to because obviously... Um, if any again, if anyone knows who's had ox you touch anything metal. And for me, the only way of describing it was like you've got electric shock, yeah. sort of, you know, um, um anything, anything with cold. And I still can't tolerate cold drinks or cold food. It has to be room temperature. Yeah. Um, so you know, again, sort of you get these everlasting, unfortunately, some of the side effects. So, yeah, yeah so I was on I was on that for Three months, um, and it was they were giving me less and less dosage of the oxyplatin because my body it it was just um, going through the mill. Um, so in the end, February they actually decided to take me off oxyplatin and just keep me on capcitabin until I had my first CT scan um, from obviously. I, I, I said, well, my last CT scan that I know was when I was in hospital in the September. Um, so I had a CT scan on 15th of February, um, 2019. And unfortunately it had shown that the tumor had, um, regrown at the surgical join. Um, so I then was looking at, um, everything had changed so my diagnosis has now become stage four mm. um they then told me um that it was incurable it was inoperable um we'd we'd wanted to know what the um prognosis was um so they did say to me that it would be one to two years with chemotherapy I am glad to say that it will be three years come March, so yeah. it's like yay! Yes. I've, uh, <laughs> I've uh, sort of beaten that one. So, yeah. Um,
0: so how, yeah. How and you, how did you cope with being told that you were incurable? What what sort of went through your mind at oh, that no. moment?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, it was the well, the, 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 the questions are you sort of like well how or why or you know sort of I mean at the time you you can't digest it and I would say to anybody you know you go away you then think about everything that you've done I mean what I then did was I then I'd got I'd got these answers as to why is it inoperable why is it incurable how do you measure the life expectancy when did it start to regrow you know, can I get a second opinion? Can I see the visual of the CT scan and, you know, to know what I'm dealing with? So I actually texted at the time we had a, uh, a mobile number with our oncology nurses. So I text these questions to them and, you know, and said, you know, I'm, I just need to get sort of answers um, mm. to to what we're, we're looking at here. So um, just so we can we know what we're fighting and what we're up against. Yeah. Um, so they'd i mean the way they the the nurse actually described it to me and he was it was so lovely and he just said to me that just think of your body as 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 a lawn um and your cancer obviously is the weed and the chemotherapy is the weed killer it says so it says with it being inoperable it says if we were to operate again at the surgical join it says we would be obviously removing that it said but we're not guaranteed so it's like pulling uh, a weed you're not necessarily going to get the root of yeah. the cancer so and because it's in my lymph nodes and it's in my bloodstream we can't be 100 sure that we've got it and of course it's then gonna possibly spread So he says, so, you know, and this is why we keep on with the chemotherapy and we just keep spreading the weed killer. So I kind of got that. And I thought, actually, I quite like your sort of analysis of it all. And Mm -hmm. it it, it always has remained with me. Um, So and with the life expectancy, when I'd asked them about that, and they were saying that obviously they've they've got the tumour where they'll do the biopsy and they will run that under the microscope and they can see, they can chop and do whatever. And they can see then the life expectancy from doing all the medical side of it, the science of it. And I have to say, I'm not one of these, I'm going to say nerds, that go really deep into all the science of the cancer and, um, you know, sort of what's out there. I kind of accept what what has been given to me and what's been told mm. my brain can't cope with anything too much to be you know certainly now because yeah. it's yeah. it's chemo brain and it just goes in and out and and that's it um so so yeah so for for us i mean we were then given like the second line treatment as it was called so i went on to irinotecan and Capsitabin. Mm. um Let's... yeah go on
0: I was gonna say they're they're not ones well the Capacite's been I've heard of, but the ero sorry, I can't pronounce that one.
1: Irrit the... I know, irritin, <laughs> yeah, irritakin. Yeah.
0: That's that's not one I've ever come across before, that one's not.
1: <laughs> no, well I mean it was like classic second line treatment and mm. um for this one, unfortunately there was um the side effects was gonna be hair loss. Mm. Um and i'd kind of again i've never been one uh i've always had short hair so i've never been a high maintenance person to be honest Mm -hmm. um and but the thought of losing my hair i don't know it was that i think it was hard to to sort of like comprehend really yeah. and again I, I just thought oh i'll be fine i'll be all right you know sort of we'll we'll sort it out so we you can have um obviously when you're going through the chemotherapy and obviously if you're going to be possibly losing your hair you can have a cold cap yeah. um and it is as what it is it's a frozen cap um so they literally put it on and i was like uh, i was too much of a wuss and because obviously i'd still got the side effects of the ox- oxyplatin mm-hmm. it was like no it's too cold it's too cold no i can't have it take it off so whip that off so that was it it was like no i'm gonna have to just suck it up and just see what happens um and so I'd, i think there was probably a month into having um, the in that I'd, um, my hair started falling out. So I'd wash my hair and I just got this clump of hair and I just cried. Um, my husband, he was very supportive, bless him. And, and yeah, I mean, he's been an absolute rock all the way throughout. Um, and, He's we decided because I thought, you know, if there's something that I'm going to do, I'm going to take control of this. Yeah. Um, so I decided that I was going to have my hair shaved off. Mm. Um, I was, um, was going to set up a, a just giving page, and um, we managed to raise just over 1500 pounds for bowel cancer UK. Oh, so, fantastic. um, we'd, we'd got a day and I'd got it called hair today, gone tomorrow. Oh, um, and we'd set it up and it was April the 13th and my friend, she'd got her, um, hairdresser to come. So we went to my friend's house and, uh, her hairdresser came and she recorded it so we could put it up on the, um, just giving page. So yeah, I had it all shaved off. And Gary, he'd had his shaved off as well. So we were two baldies together. Um, so and I must admit, sort of so we went into Victoria Centre the next day and I just felt people were looking at me. You know, it was like there I am with this, because I hadn't got any chemo um hats at the time or anything. Right. And and I thought, you know what, I've got I've got to brave this and I've got to show that, you know, show the world that i'm not afraid and that i'm here and that i'm standing tall yes i've got cancer but so bloody what exactly. you know and and we did we went through victoria center but, and nobody was looking at us you know we you, you just think everyone's staring at you but they didn't yeah. nobody was looking or anything like that and and yeah so i i i'd, I'd, I'd got a couple of chemo caps that i used to wear if it was cold and obviously again with the you know with the side effects of oxyplatin mm. um but the majority of the time i just rocked it and i i just went out with a skin um and up until last year with lockdown i just kept having short hair mm. um, really short shaved hair because it was just so easy to manage I hadn't got to think about you know bad hair days or anything so there was like (laughs) this plus side (laughs) uh, you know
0: (laughs) I must admit I with oxaloplatin I lost mine um it was thinning on my my first chemotherapy and then oxaloplatin it it started thinning again and my oncologist just he was scratching his head he was like I don't understand why you're losing your hair yeah I think it's part genetics you know partly from my dad but you know what keeping it short is the best thing ever because you're not Mm. waking up feeling your head wondering where the the wind's (laughs) catching your hair and oh it's just yeah it's just so much less hassle.
1: no i i was exactly the same and i'm sort of like and even now i'm thinking do i go back to having a shaved head because i have managed to grow it now since Mm. like say the last lockdown in december 20. one no 22 no 20 um when we had that last lockdown that's when it started to grow and i thought right i'm, I'm gonna grow it now and just trying to the style i don't know it's just oh i don't know i, I kind of want to go back to just get it all shaved off um sort of I'd, apparently i'd got a head that i could rock um a shaved head so um mm. so yeah so so anyway from there Um, So a lot happened for me in the sense of in my personal life. So I'd worked for the council for 28 years and I'd been off work coming up to a year. So with the diagnosis or the prognosis of it being stage four and that I was only got one to two years, um, they managed to sort out that I could retire and take ill health retirement. So I got my full pension. Um, so I retired in the October, um, and, um, I then, um, I'd hit 50. So I was 50 in the August. I'd retired in October. Mm. Um, we then um, had a CT scan. And unfortunately, once again, the tumour seemed to have regrown again in the surgical join. So this time we we stopped with the erotikin and the capsidobin. Mm. And since october 2019 up until july 2021 because i went on a a chemotherapy break i've been on long surf and Mm. this was my last chance saloon um it was this is going to be a third line treatment Um, we can't go anywhere from this so if this doesn't work then it would be looking at trials um so yeah it was again it was another sort of shock to deal with and to to know that everything is riding on this um relatively new treatment plan um long surf apparently had only been out um sort of in the medical world for about two years so it was still um, quite new and obviously people react to it differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd, um, I'd also had, I'd, I'd also was given an antibiotic at the time as well, which only seemed to have applied within Nottingham. Um, but I think it was a winning combination to be honest. So all Mm -hmm. the way through long surf, I was also then on this daily antibiotic, um, and i was on that for over a year i was on it constantly and it, and then obviously my ct scans that were having quarterly ct scans were showing that the um the tumor had, had started to shrink and that it then come to sort of un unmarkable is what they use on the t- ct scan reports um okay. and unreadable which i kind of like well what are you saying what does mm-hmm. this mean and i still don't really get a hundred percent answer to be honest so you go to dr google and you, you look to see yeah. what it all says um and i think it is basically saying that it's undetected that obviously it's they've shrunk it that much that it's it is no longer there but it, i think it, it obviously is there so it, it it's hard you start trying to get your head round some of um you know some of the things that you're having to go through um and so obviously on that i i, I went on a break um in December 20 to March 21 because I wanted um, over the Christmas period I just didn't want to feel rubbish um, you know sort of with the side effects because obviously again you still get your insomnia your fatigue your diarrhea um, the usual so I wanted to have a good Christmas so we Mm. decided to give it a three-month break and unfortunately in those three months though the lung nodule that was then starting to make a show and it had grown from two millimeters to seven millimeters now for the medical world it was insignificant but for me it was huge it was like well you know it's it's they've always told me never to worry about it and now i feel i need to worry about it Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately they wasn't they still wasn't concerned enough. So anyway, I goes back on to, key, on to long surf. So I was on long surf again up until July, um, had another CT scan in the May. And again, it showed that the, um, the lung nodule had reduced. So it was obviously reacting to... long surf to the chemotherapy Mm. so I decided we were uh, going away in it was my birthday in August we were going away and we would got actually two two holidays and a break booked through August and September so again I was going to go on another three-month break I thought well I'm in a good position I'll go on another three-month break I've then got another CT scan in September We'll then decide what we're then going to do. So we get to September, have the CT scan and the bowel seems to be behaving. It still looks to be undetectable. However, the lung nodule had suddenly shot up to 11 millimetres. so uh, it was now for them to investigate they said right Mm. we need to now look into we'll get a pet scan um set up we'll refer you to a lung specialist um and then we'll we'll take it from there so um but in the meantime i can't go back on chemotherapy because it obviously has a reaction to the nodule and they obviously want it in its state that it is or even growing bigger so they can obviously investigate it. So I had a PET scan. Um, the results showed that there was only just this one single lung nodule, which is good. Um, and um, the next then plan was again to see the lung specialist. Um, so I'm still waiting. Um, have then my um, CT scan um no i didn't sorry i had my lung my uh, oncology appointment in um end of november and um they said right okay oh i have to go for a lung function test so i went for a lung function test so that seems to be fine um we'll refer you to a lung specialist so i'm thinking well you said this back in september we're now in october november um so eventually the oncologist said right okay so we've obviously done your pet scan we've done your lung function test we now we need to refer you yes i know you've been saying this since september so why am i still here so eventually said oh well we'll get it sorted before um this side of christmas and it got to more or less the week before christmas still not heard anything i then chased it up and said look you know i'm wanting to try and get this before christmas i'm going away over the christmas period i want to you know get it out as soon as possible Mm. um they this lung specialist team were absolutely brilliant straight away they were on the phone right can you come in tomorrow we're going to see the lung specialist he was like at the time they said it was either going to be either radiotherapy or surgery Mm both of them scared the hell out of me. I'm thinking I don't want either, to be honest. Um, Mm. I did say to Gary after I'd had my first surgery of the bowel, I said, I never want surgery ever again. Mm. But then when you're faced with life or death, it's like, maybe I need to go and have surgery. So the, um, the surgeon was absolutely fantastic and he sat down with us and we were there for an hour and he actually gave us more information in an hour than I have with my oncologist for the whole three years. Um, so he was brilliant and he then said, you know, the best way of doing this is having the surgery. It's going to be a resection. It's in the left lower lobe. So it's going to take that yeah. bit away. And he went through and explained everything went through the pet scan so within that it was a case of right we're we're gonna have you in for surgery just after christmas so after the new year you're Mm -hmm. gonna have a pre-op um you know as long as everything's done we're gonna have another pet scan we're gonna have another lung function test you're gonna have a covid test and then it'll be surgery so it's suddenly since new year we've just hit the ground running and it's been non-stop and obviously thursday is when i go for this um operation so Mm. my my biggest thing at the moment is what do i pack you know uh, i'm going on a mini holiday it was i've suddenly gone from a small holdall to now a little mini suitcase Um, You know, it's like, (laughs) I just don't know what to pack, I don't know how long I'm going to be there for, you know, it's like entertainment, I've got to entertain myself because no visitors are allowed, you know, so it's a case, yeah. yeah, yeah, so I think for me, this is again... One of the biggest worries is not having nobody going to be coming to see me. So you just mm. like me, myself and I, I know there's going to be other patients there, you know, but it's I don't know. You you just feel and I have to say, and I did say this to my husband, this whole journey now since really since COVID is you've been on your own. You, you feel mm. isolated. Um, you know, you go to the hospital appointments more or less you're on your own you go to your scans you're on your own you know yeah, and i mean yes we've had uh telephone appointments which were great to begin with but then I don't know about you, but I felt then disconnected with my oncology team. And I did say to them last May, I went, um, can I actually come in and see you? Because I feel I need to see somebody now face to face. I've got a new oncology team because mine left. Um, I said, you know, I just need to have some reconnection again um, and and just get back and feel like to get back in the real world. Mm. Um but like I say, I, I feel though with this long now thing, I do feel isolated in myself in that it's just me. My husband, bless him, he can't be with me. He's having to go to work, you know, um, and yeah, it's it's scary. Um, but saying that, I have to say I have been positive all the way through the journey. I've i I just don't have time to sort of wallow in self pity. There are mm. days I have to say, my good days outweigh the bad days, and yes, you know we we do have the the bad days and you know you're just trying to get out of bed is yeah, I think uh, I th- you know is yeah. is it a journey in itself um but i I'm lucky that I do have that both well my husband took time off as well, so he took semi retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that has helped me as well, that being retired, that I'd concentrate on the health and yeah. actually, you know what, sort of the money side of things had didn't worry as much as my priorities completely changed um, in the sense I was such a worrier in in everything you know sort of certainly like money and finance and you know can we afford this can we afford that and that and the other and then it got to a stage where it was like you know what no sort of it's a case of sod it you know yeah. we've only got one life i don't know how long i've got let's just do it you know we, we go out when we want to and you know when we can and things like that and go on holidays and go on our you know little mini breaks and things um you know, no, it was, we, we, that's we, it
0: really. that's it really isn't it it's you've got to forget the small stuff that it, although it may matter it, yeah. in the grand scheme of things when you're dealing with stage four cancer those little things they become obsolete you know that they, they only cause an issue when they need to cause an issue if you know what i mean so you do you sort of just brush it to one side or to the back of your mind and enjoy what you can when you can
1: yeah yeah and that's that's exactly it you know yeah. i mean it's it's like we have done so much more in the last three years i think than we have more or less done in our lifetime yeah. um we have taken you know you you do you take so much for granted and you just try and just live you do live now for the day for the moment mm-hmm. um and for me as well i mean having cancer now it's given me a different outlook on life it's given me courage you know mm. i if you would have asked me to do this pre-cancer i would have turned around and said i don't think so you know <laughs> yeah. um, it's like uh, nah and it's same as obviously with covid we had our local news um interview me because at the time um with the can you remember the emergency care packages that we were getting and because obviously i worked for the local council um they'd got in touch with me because i worked for the comms and marketing team and they got in touch with me and said can you be our guinea pig can you be like our first person receiving this and there'll be a photo and there'll be an article and blah 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 and i was like oh go on. yeah go on then well it just escalated from there i was in like the local newspaper i was <laughs> on the local news i was on the channel four news and oh, wow. it was just sort of like yeah i know it was suddenly oh my god i've gone into this like kind of mini superstar um <laughs> and it was like but again before cancer if you'd have asked me if i'd have gone on television i would have said no yeah. absolutely not I am not doing anything like that but I think now it's a case of you know what Nah. you know I'll, I'll go out there I'll do it I'll uh you know and it's more about for me sharing the journey sharing the experiences sort of trying to if I can just help sort of like one one other person for me, you know, and that's what sort of, it matters to me, mm. um, really. Um, and, I mean, that's why sort of uh, I, I share my journey um, across Facebook with my friends and family. Um, I've never been, because it, I feel cancer is such a taboo word and subject. Yeah. People just kind of, I don't think they know how to deal with it and they just shy away um and i found that through friends um who i thought thought were really good friends and it's like they've just like gone into the background and you know it 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 opens your eyes and yeah you do actually see the world for what it actually is yeah um certainly do but then I've made some absolutely fantastic great friends, um, made some new ones who, you know, are in a similar position. Um, and, you know, sort of, and I think that, and that helps as well because you become cancer buddies yeah. and you just, you just sort of help each other as you go along and you just support each other, um, you know, and, and you're just there and you know, what each other's going through as well. So, you know, you can, I know, you know, I've got family and friends, um, you know, my husband, he, like I say, he's such a great rock, but he doesn't know the, you know, what I'm actually really going through, what I actually yeah. really feel. Um, whereas, you know, when I have a chat with one of my friends, Kate, she does. And so we 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 do, we, we sort of WhatsApp or we'll, uh, you know, we'll chat, we we'll meet up when we can as well, because we actually, we're fortunate we only live about 30 minutes from each other. So we'll we'll meet up and we'll just chat and we just talk about the same old rubbish, but we get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's it, and that's um, that's half of the mental battle, isn't it? It's just having somebody that, that gets it really, isn't it?
1: Yeah 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 it is um you know and and i think there is some great organizations out there as well i mean we went to maggie's um we're fortunate we've got one um at the hospital at the city hospital and again i was one of these people that was quite shy in the sense of oh i don't think i'm gonna like this and certainly i didn't think gary would like it because he's Mm. he's a bit more reserved than me and i can remember going in with my sister And I was like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to like this because I just felt it was like a happy, clappy kind of a, I don't know, this vibe that I got from Mm -hmm. it. And um, me and my husband, we went in and they just made us feel so welcome. And, you know, and he really took to it as well. And he opened up, which was great because he's, he's one of these, he's a typical bloke who keeps things in to himself. But he didn't. He was opening up as well. And we were chatting to other people who, again, who were in a similar position. And we have found that's really helped us. Um, you know, we do, we just call in whenever we go for a hospital appointment. We'll call in. We'll have a cuppa. We'll have a chat. Um, you know, and yeah, they, they've been an absolute um, yeah. godsend um, it- as well um it's,
0: and i have to
1: say wonderful. Macmillan. oh yeah Mandarin, yeah yeah mcmillan i mean i've i've not really had to use them until this year when i were renewing my pip um mm. and my blue badge and again the the support that i've had from them over the phone has been brilliant has been really good um yeah. so the thing is, and and another one sorry i need to just mention balls okay. to cancer it's not oh, all yeah. about balls they are absolutely again they are brilliant mm. in the sense people don't realize that they help everybody who's got cancer or even if you've been you know a family member or or anything and they we went on um they offer breaks to burnham on sea at the haven site burnham on sea and oh, wow. we took had we took advantage of that and it's a mini break it's either a Friday to Monday or a Monday to Friday, and it's free of charge. Um, obviously, that you know, they, if you can donate, make a donation or anything, but it's free of charge. And we did, we took advantage of that and went last July, and it was an absolute brilliant week that we had um but they also do a chemo care pack if you're just starting to go through chemo they send out free of charge they do a christmas dinner and it was a full christmas dinner shop everything you name it wow. it was absolutely and they have been absolutely brilliant as well um, oh, yeah. you know and yeah. there is so there is so much help out there but it's knowing mm. where it is and where to find it and that is the biggest yeah. i think the some of the biggest hurdles um for us as well um and i i I personally have have, if i come across people and they're in that first diagnosis stage and they're, they're not too sure and i'll say to Give me your email address. I have a list of all the links of everything that you need to know, you know, sort of about PIP, about disability, about your blue badge, about Maggie's, about Macmillan, about Ball's cancer. And I have a link to everything and say, you know, and this, just do this. This will help you because – we found it such a mind a minefield that you know it was like where do you where do you even start and people just don't know that there is help out there and there is so much help if you know where to where to go and where to look
0: there is so much help out there but i think every charity or every organization needs to be looked at differently for what they can do for you to try and understand and to get to the bottom of basically what you need to be doing because it's like i go to the same maggie's center as yourself and just to walk in there and be greeted by uh annie is just you just feel you just feel the weight come off your shoulders the second you're through the door yeah but then you've got uh mcmillan who will help you with all the pip and even getting uh, you know things like getting you disabled badge for parking. You know, it's it's all different charities that do, or um, I wouldn't say they're useful for different things because they're all absolutely yeah. fantastic. And you know, I don't want to to not do somebody justice, but
1: no, no, yeah. and it is difficult because I mean, Maggies they obviously offer um financial support as well. Mm. They've got yeah, um course. Carlton who does the the financial, and again, he's you know he is a whiz. Um, mm. He goes through everything with you. Um, and you know and say maggies they offer so much and i do feel them they are more personal aren't they you're more face to face you have that you know that there is counselors that are there that talk to you i can remember we went and susie i think it was um she just greeted and we'd been going for about two years and we just like i said we'd go and have a cuppa and have a chat and she just want this one particular day she said oh just come in and let's have a chat And she sat down. Next thing I know, I'm bawling my eyes out. She, you know, I think because I've not really had that sort of like connection in the sense of Mm. chatting, counselling or anything like that, me and Gary, we've just, we've got each other. We've just kind of plodded on and stuff. And it then opened up and she, next thing we know, we're signing up for every session that were (laughs) were on offer. So we were signing up for all the sessions that we were doing, uh, which were absolutely brilliant. Um, but you do get that with maggies i do feel with macmillan we'd i'd been to see them um certainly the the main office strangely enough is at queen's medical center but yet mm-hmm. oncology is at city which i find yeah. very bizarre so it's a part-time service at the city but obviously kind of a full one at the at queens yeah. um but mm-hmm. I, I did find them at the very beginning they were kind of useful they they took they told me certain bits. But I kind of, I had to then, I felt that I was on my own and had to then sort it all out myself. It's only since October when I had the renewal come in that I got in touch with them because my friend Kate, she'd been in touch with hers and had had really good feedback. So that's when I got in touch with them. And I've now got more or less like a personal advisor. She's been absolutely brilliant in sort of working through like I say all the financial stuff and any any other help that i've needed but i feel sort of you know it's taken me two years near enough three years i would guess actually to have got this far with them Mm. and like you say you know sort of you don't want to do them injustice because they all do a great job you know Mm. and they are all there and um you know they they do what they can um and when they can Mm. um but yeah, it, I, I feel sort of, um, and again, it's. I I've, I've, don't know about you, but have you heard of the um, uh, the CARE, which is the cancer and rehabilitation exercise with Notts mm-hmm. County Football Club and Macmillan?
0: No, I've not heard of that one, no.
1: No, me neither until no. last year when I was at Maggie's. And I saw this leaflet and thought, oh, this would be good because I'm wanting to try and get into shape because I keep putting weight on instead of losing it. So this myth about cancer and losing weight, uh-uh. I've gone up two dress sizes. <laughs> so uh, I i was so desperate. You know, I'm trying to eat healthily, but I can't eat too much because obviously it then doesn't agree with my body. So yeah, you kind yeah. of scrap all of that. You just eat what you can and when you can. Yeah. So um so anyway, it's with Notts County Football Club and it's at Portland Leisure Centre and they do a Monday and a Friday session and I just tend to go on a Monday. Um and you, your first 12 weeks are free. And it's Ooh. absolutely brilliant. So it's again people who have got cancer or of who had cancer and it's getting your health and fitness and it's like a mini boot camp session but i absolutely thoroughly enjoy it and it's great it gives you that motivation on a monday certainly on a monday to get out there and then start kicking ass um but I didn't know about it originally it was set up for breast cancer patients and pancreatic patients and Mm. it was until I think I don't know how long they decided to roll out and say you know what cancer just doesn't affect these two groups it affects everybody so they roll it out to everybody now Um, but you know I didn't know about this until you know two years three years into my cancer. It's mm. like, no, this needs to be, people need to know about this now. You yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. again, there's there's just so many things that I feel that things could be done a lot better. Mm. Um, nutrition, I think, is one of them. Um, mm. And health, um, you know, diets and that sort of thing. Or not necessarily diets, but, you know, what you are in and, and things like that. Um, mm. yeah. And again, I, I just feel... You're you're left in limbo. I don't know about you, are, you yeah. but I, you know, yes, I've had the books from uh, Macmillan, had the recipe books and and things like that. But then you go online and you look in online. But then there's so many different conflicts, and you know they told yeah. you to eat this. So I'd gone, you know, I decided right. I'm eating more fruit, more veg. We'd gone really down the healthier route on on so. When I went to the, you know, to the consultant back in September and I said, I suffer really badly with wind. Absolutely crazy. And um, and I said, you know, why? What is causing this? So I told him what I'm eating. And because of the fruit with skin on, so anything with the skin on, my vegetables, if it's got skin on then it's giving me more fiber which is obviously giving me more sort of reason why then I'm going to the toilet more why mm. I've got more wind so actually everything that I've been eating I shouldn't be eating so you're back oh, to yeah. the drawing board and thinking right so what can I eat you know so it is it's again that in itself I I find is a mm. minefield as well um and <laughs> if there is sort of groups out there that can help <laughs> yeah and, i in diet
0: <laughs> yeah the biggest thing with me at the moment is because i'm type 1 diabetic which was caused by cancer treatments it's it's that um the thought in my head that the sugar intake that feeds mm. cancer so i'm constantly getting onto my uh diabetic team come on i've got to get my blood down because it must be fuel uh feeding my cancer and yet yeah i'm seeing online well actually no it, it doesn't you know it doesn't quite work that way well somebody please clarify to me what is going on you know is it is it feeding my cancer or not you know yeah yeah that's it It it's like you say it's a minefield out there absolute minefield
1: Well, this is, I mean, there was, they're saying, you know, sort of, I've joined different groups now on Facebook and, you know, and they're saying there's so many different things about what causes, you know, what leads up to cancer and things like that, you know, about, well, I was reading one this morning saying about, obviously the red meat, about, like you say, sugar, about alcohol, about smoking, about, you know, this, that and the other. And yet there are people that have said that they don't drink, they don't smoke, they're vegetarian, but they've got cancer. So it's a case mm. of, well, you know, that throws all of that out of the window. um, You know, and I know you've, you've just got to try and be, and somebody again had put, you know, what can, what can I eat? What can't I eat? And it's like, eat what you feel, you know, your body will tell you. Um, And this is, I've certainly now gone, going down this route. It's kind of, you know, your body will tell you whether you can tolerate it or not. Mm. I used to love lattes. Oh, I just love, you know, I, if we go out, have a coffee, I'd have a latte. When I'm on chemo, I cannot do lattes. Unfortunately, my body will tell me, nope, you've you've oh. done it. And and I'll forget, you know, I'll think, oh, I'll be all right. I'll have a cheeky latte. And I've tried it with soya milk, I've tried it with skinny, you know, skinny milk. I've tried it all different ways, but no, it just seems to be my body's not gonna like it. It doesn't mm, have it. Nothing. So you you do yeah, I know, this is that. And I don't know about you, but I've now at the moment. Another one with me, and like you're saying, with sugar, I'm finding if I'm eating sugar, if I'm eating sweets, um, I don't have a lot. But, you know, obviously over Christmas, you've got all your chocolates. So um, sort of chocolate, sweets, cakes, biscuits, my mouth feels like it's on fire. It's a really strange, yeah, it's a really strange feeling, but it just feels bad. If it's burning, I don't know. It's hard to describe, and I, I have trouble with sores anyway. And I do have the deflom or whatever it's called, the mouthwash. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I've really have noticed that I'm starting to have this reaction to sugar. So mm. you, your mind starts thinking, is there something else going on in my body now? You know, sort of, is the I don't know, am I having now this this sugar? Sort of reaction, and which probably isn't a bad thing because then it might help me lose weight if I don't <laughs> yeah. eat chocolate and sweets, you know. But then I'm thinking to myself, I've got some to eat before Thursday, before my operation. Do I go now? Do I get it out all the way?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, right. So just before we we finish up, it's it's something I like to ask every guest. Mm-hmm. If you were to come across somebody that was coming to you for advice that's just been diagnosed with stage four bowel cancer what sort of message would you give to them sort of like words of encouragement possibly um
1: oh absolutely um i would try and tell them to try and stay positive and i know that's very difficult but to stay positive to be strong um even though they say stage four um I mean, you know, sort of like myself, I was stage four three years ago. I'm still here now fighting. Um, I just think that you you have to have that mindset in, um, I don't know, it is that old cliche uh, of the positive, um, the mindset. And I know that's easier said than done. Um, but also taking each step, each day as it comes, I work from um milestones so my milestone is literally from oncology to oncology appointment so that's every month or from ct scan to a ct scan which is every three months so i i just work to those milestones i i have plan ahead i've got holidays booked till you know this christmas coming now the next christmas so i do plan ahead um don't be afraid um write down um questions try and take somebody with you when you go to appointments have somebody write down the information because your brain will just it won't absorb everything so just try and write it all down or get somebody else with you to write it down if you can Um, you know sort of go away think about it and then go back and ask the questions because it's not until afterwards and I also then find it when I'm talking to friends, I'm, I'm texting them, telling them what my outcome was. They'll mm. ask me questions and I think, oh, yeah, that's a good question. I'll ask that because, you know, you don't immediately think of that. So I'll write yeah. those down. I also have to say sort of trying to keep um, a diary helped me initially um, of obviously your medication, of what you eat, of your side effects um how it all feels and one of the things that i use now is one called vine health which i got through um twitter Mm -hmm. Um, and you download it i've I've been a user with them and i'll give them feedback as a user but i found that really helpful as well because again it it gives you a track it will tell you when to take your medication because that can be again a bit of a um Mm. A, a mind sort of field on that, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. reminding you. So yeah, it gives it's really good. It'll ask you how you feel as soon as you log in. Um, you know, it'll prompt you and then it gives you little snips as well. So um on your <coughs> diagnosis or how you're feeling and things <coughs> like that. So it's really good. Um but yeah so the main key would be to try and stay positive and not look at the the sort of like the doom side of it all um of of cancer
0: yeah
1: yeah i mean that's... for me i i always try and turn a negative into a positive
0: yeah and that's what i've
1: tried that's what i've tried and done um throughout obviously throughout my cancer is just just doing that as to why what has happened and then actually turn it onto its head and see the the, the positive side of things
0: yeah yeah no, that's good um so last of all just uh i just want to to thank you for sharing your story with us it's it's been absolutely i know it's a, an, a negative subject as such but it's been fantastic to hear what you've had to say
1: no well thank you for getting in touch mm. um and like i say so to, you know i mean we all have our own journey um and it's it is how we how we decide to take that first step yeah. um and and look at it and it is trying to go forward and not go back um if we can um but no i mean it's great that you're obviously doing this and if people are reaching out um to other people and just getting some um solace from it as well um you know it's it's worthwhile
0: yeah well thank you very much
1: no thank you tom thank you